1: Live. Hello, this is Michael Adams, and it's nothing but the truth, one man's journey to find it. It is December of 29, 2015, and uh, well, once again, we have uh, another special guest, and uh, that would be Zen Garcia. Before I spend more time introducing him, I want to read a little bit here. Um, yeah, I feel it's of great value in this day and age, as always. It doesn't matter if it's day and age or if it was a couple hundred years ago. The most powerful man in the world, the black pope. So you thought you were pretty well informed by now about all the main players on the conspiracy playing field. You've You've maybe been hearing for years about or bumped into on your own, the various elements of society who control our world from behind the scenes. He is the most powerful man in the world who rules over maritime laws, business, controls the banking system, Freemasonry and secret services such as the CIA, the FBI, the NSA, the I. Uh, excuse me, the SIS, the MI6, Scotland Yard, Massad, the CSIS, the DGSI, the FSB. The Vatican owns 60% of all Israel land and the land of the Temple Mount for their third Solomon's Temple where they want their... Uh, throne. He is part of the arc- Arcana, Arcana Roma, c- c- Norum, controlled by the papal bloodlines within the I. I guess it's I Mori, which is I dash M O R I. These bloodlines are the Omega points of control. These are the Farnicis, the the Orsines, the Aldo uh, Brandinis, the So uh, Magelli, I guess this part of the So Maglia. That's what it is. So maglia. And the beards the break spears. Their war room command centers within Fargo Santo, spirito which is missile, which is missile projected. Victor Emmanuel, uh, the fourth, wanted to nuke this region of Rome. And Henry Rixier and Pep Orsini are the high count high are in high control. Jesuit assess... Uh, my goodness, this is pretty hard to read. Uh, C. soldier James Gummer controls the United States Corporation. The black Pope today folks, is Adolf Nicholas, Supreme General of the Society of Jesus. From their Diabolical Plan uh, for a New World Order, one, superior general of the Jesuits, the Black Pope Adolf Nicholas, and the six generals control the White Pope, Pope Benedict, and now of course Pope Francis of the Vatican. Two, the Illuminati, the Zionist globalist elites, Council of Foreign Relations, Billiberg Group, Freemasons, Council of 300, and the Evil Council of Trent. Number three, the Jezos control the Knights Templar, the Knights of Columbus, and the Knights of Malta. Also, you'll find out that the head of the CIA, the FBI, the NSA, you'll find a Knights of Malta behind that. But anyways, back to this. Number four, the CIA, FBI, NSA, the ASIO, the MI5, the MI6, the NCIS, The FSB, the DGSE, Mossad, and every intelligence agency in the world are Masonic and controlled by the Jesuits. The Jesuits have infiltrated all governments and leaders like Obama, uh, Rube, I guess that's how you pronounce it, Blair, uh, Gintio, uh, Sarkozy, Perez, are only puppets that carry out the Jesuit's orders. The superior general are elected by the general congregation of society summoned upon the resignation or retirement or death of the incumbent. Irony, ironies right now, folks. We actually have two black popes, two white popes. Uh, the superior, general, superior general's are elected for life, and almost all have served life terms, the exceptions being Father uh, Pedro Arupi, resigned for reasons of failing health and successor, Father Peter Hans Kovenbeck. Kovenbach' resignation was announced in February of 2006, which led to the convocation of the 35th General Congregation. The General Congregation elected the current Superior General Society, Father Adolf Nicholas, who succeeded Colzenbeck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, you just to let you know, folks, that in this country there are 33 archdioceses. The 32nd one is in Washington, D.C., and the 33rd one... It represents the US military. Now you might want to ask yourself a few things. Why only 33? We well, have 50, 50 states. Why only 33 are starting states? You might want to think a little bit about that. Um, also, uh, later on this week, if I get around to finally I figured out what I want to do reading next, folks, uh, and it will probably be. A Papal Magic and, the, and Occult Practices in the Catholic Church by Simon. And it will go along with a book that I've been delaying forever that one of our regular listeners sent to me. It um, uh, was it Euros and Magic in the Renaissance, and I was trying to find something that would tie in with everything, so I finally have found something that would, that would work. Um, also, um, also we'll probably be doing a little bit about the reading of the Jesuits in Prague who created the Star of uh, David that's in the, the State of Israel. Uh, that was created back in the 1648, is that what it was? I think it was 1648. Don't don't quote me on that. That's the 48 part. It's definitely in 1600s. And uh, we'll go on from there. But anyways, I'm really excited. Uh, Today we have uh, somebody that I have an awful lot of respect for in many ways. And not only in his faith in our Lord and our Savior, Yeshua the Messiah, uh, but also because of his, his hard work, in trying to figure out and decipher all this the confusion that's out there, he' <laughs> wrote nine books now who's come to the realization that uh, the world that we live in is nothing like they told us in grade school and, and, and on words. Um, Zen Garcia has his own radio show, and uh, before I get going here. So his radio show is called Fallen Angels TV, and you can find that on Revolution Radio. It should be on Wednesdays, 8 p.m., and also Saturdays. It's and Sen has a really awesome YouTube channel called Endeavor Freedom. He also has a website as well, and I believe that his website said, is it's uh, uh, Fallen Angels as well?
0: Yes,
2: Fallen <laughs> Angels TV.
1: Yes, that's right. So, and so, Zen has been doing a ton of work for a long time, and has been one of those guys who's always been searching for the truth, and I uh, have an, uh, an immense amount of respect for. So, Zen, thank you for joining me again. Uh, it's been my privilege now twice to have you on my show. And uh, so, I've already asked you, but I asked you again for uh, audience sake. Uh, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing well, and um I appreciate the opportunity, and it's always nice to fellowship with somebody of uh, like mine. And, uh, just to clarify something really quick, uh, the, my show on Revolution Radio, which is Wednesday evening from 8 to 10 p.m., uh, that show is called Momentary Zen.
1: Oh, that's right. And
2: the, the show that I do on Saturday is on Truth Frequency Radio, and it's called uh, Secrets Revealed. It's from
1: six PM Eastern. Okay, my apologies. is oh, yeah, no I'll probably butcher it a couple more times <laughs> before I that yeah. done, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I sound pretty good at butchering things. So anyways. Uh, yeah, um I have a lot of, so uh, so many questions I don't know where to go with all this right now. Um I like I told you earlier before the show, uh we did a show a couple nights ago on the twenty seventh, breeding um the Gospel of Nicodem- Nicodemus, and um, that was very insightful, so I know you asked me to do that, you, you asked me to, to read that, and so I did that, and I figured why not do a show along with it, do a recording, why, why not hide it for myself, but share it with others, so, um, I, you know, I, could you mind me if I asked you a couple of personal questions? No. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah yeah so you you've been living with this uh your disability um or whatever you wanna call it your challenge um for two decades now right at mm-hmm. least two decades or three decades. two decades
0: yeah. and
1: and, and um I know that we you know <clears throat> this is uh usually the show we don't talk much about such matters. But I was just curious. and I, I know, you know, I struggle with mine. I've I've told you that I have multiple sclerosis, and I know that other people listen to my show. Others have uh, uh, challenges as well, physical challenges. So, and um, well, first of all, uh, I once again I want to say uh, how impressed I am that you have not let this beat you. You know what I mean? You still fight the good fight. And I know that you probably say, well, I don't really don't need this, and I don't, I'm not doing it for this. You know the praise of men, but um, tell us, you know, what has it been like, and um, and how have you handled it? And has, of course, I imagine that your faith and and, and God has, has certainly has affected things in a way that would well, not normally. Um, I'm just curious about what your experience was.
2: Well, it was um, absolutely the most treacherous challenge anybody could ever have to go through. I mean, just the whole the pain of transitioning, you know, the, as far as breaking like your neck and having to heal, and then the whole process of entering into the strange world of disability and having to learn everything new again. It was the um, most frightening and absolutely the most challenging experience that anybody could go through, especially with the level of disability that quadriplegia uh, brings on to a person. And so it was um, very trying and took quite a long time, even just getting used to because uh, initially, with when you first um, become paralyzed, your temperature, everything is off. Um, I, I was cold a great deal. Um, could not get you know, as far as stabilizing my temperature and uh, getting any kind of heat. I was always cold, even in summer and the in, you know, being in direct sunshine. I was. Still cold for the longest time. For um, I'd say at least five or six years before my um, my core temperature settled down, and that was really um, a difficult thing. But and it's one of those things that people don't really consider. So, it, was, it, was
1: that was that neurological or was that something physical, physiological?
2: Um, yeah, no, I think it was neurological somehow um of course i felt it physically but um it was something that you know just affecting your nerves and uh, breaking your neck and severing your spine it it affects that in in some way um and you're not able to regulate heat you know it's not like you can just do a bunch of jumping jacks and get warm or anything like that
1: (laughs) Right. The reason I see that is because I can relate to that. With MS, we have this thing called heat intolerance. And also, the temperatures are really bad for me. So in the winter, it's really cold where I'm at. And uh, and so the winter's been really rough for me. And then the summers are really bad for me, too. I melt like a a noodle, if you will, in summer heat. And so I can't tolerate 80-plus degree heat and I can't seem to tolerate, uh, uh pretty much about 40 degree, my <laughs> <below, laughs> temperature. So I just want to connect my, of course, mine is neurological. So I just want pictures. Mm-hmm. So anyways, go ahead.
2: Well, and, and so for the longest time, it took me uh, quite a while to stabilize to where I could, um, have some kind of semblance of normality as far as temperature and, um, that was a, a very difficult thing. But now, um, as far as, you know, it's been 20 plus years now. And so all that has settled down and, um, I'm not freezing all the time like I used to be, which is a great blessing. And I think that because of my health and my well-being, that I'm also, um, it reflects in my tolerance as far as, um, I'm not susceptible to the cold like I used to be, whereas i it could be a hundred degrees outside, and I was still freezing previously, but now i'm I'm really good and like um, even when it's like fifty degrees outside, as long as the sun's out i'm I'm like, okay. um I don't have a problem like i,
1: I you used
2: do,
1: to do you do physiotherapy at all, no.
2: Um, I I do stretches and range of motion, and, and you know the girls that work for me, I get them to do all that. But you no, know, I don't. I try to avoid all the doctors and going to you know, physical therapy and occupational therapy. I don't. I don't do a lot of that anymore. I just um, focus on my work and and I, I do because uh, I had always had a really close relationship with the father previous to my uh, accident that um, it, it did help me to deal with, you know, acquiring a disability and 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 being um, paralyzed a, in the way that I am. And so um, I'm not one to really dwell on, you know, as far as, Seeking uh, just holding on to uh, regrets or looking you know in the past and and wishing that I would have done something different or you know, i I just moved forward and I try to do what I can with what I have and um, and I've always been one to be productive with my time, even before I acquired a disability, and I don't like to waste time because I feel like, uh, you know, we're not promised any more tomorrows, and you just never know when uh, your time is up and that it's important to be productive as far as the kingdom in getting things done while while we're here. And so I immediately began to work on my... uh, finishing my second book once I was, um, once I was injured and once I was stabilized enough to where I could focus on, you know, doing that and working on those kind of endeavors. And then after I published that, then I immediately also began to work on my third book, which is called A A Different Way of Being. And it's about my whole transition into disability and, you know, having to, um, learn everything anew and rediscovering my faith as far as um, trust in the Creator and always knowing that there's something profound to everything that happens to you and that everything does happen for a reason. And so um, once I began to study the scriptures again in in a way that I had not previously and I saw and was led to <clears throat> and I was led to a lot of information that was not well um known by mainstream Christianity, it certainly wasn't taught in the Sunday schools or in the um the sermons, you know, the weekly sermons by pastors and preachers and they don't they don't teach these kind of things that I write about in seminaries either. And so I realized that um, what I was learning was not well known. And because of that, I started compiling the information into notes. And then those notes eventually uh, took on the form of books when I began to do my own radio programs and, People started asking me to share the information that um, I had compiled, and that I was starting to share on these radio programs. And that was also when Blog Talk Radio had started, and it made it easy for individuals like myself to, you know, to start a program and to reach an audience and to um, to grow an audience and to Speak on issues that weren't being talked about by a lot of other people, and so
0: um
2: after I had developed an audience and people wanted my work and they wanted my notes, and they asked me to share them with them and so I decided to just compile that information into into books, and I've been doing that ever since. And so, um, after my third book, A Different Way of Being, I started to write on Christian-oriented themes, um, and also prophetic and scriptural and, and also ancient mysteries. And because I have studied not only the gospel, but, you know, I've read a lot of the New Age material, which I was involved in previous to my disability, and and being brought full circle to the gospel and the study of the not only the, the canon but also the extra biblical and extra canonical texts that um, I have a unique perspective and that I'm able to unify not only the conspiratorial and ancient mysteries and mythology world, but also that of the biblical narrative and, and the prophetic word and, and all of these extra canonical texts, which most people have not read about. And so that makes my work um, unique in that I'm able to bridge the gap on all these things and cover them in a way that helps people to understand them all and how they tie together.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Hey, I have two questions right off the bat from what you just said there. (laughs) First thing is, well, okay, so with the new age experience that you had and all that kind of, did you think that might have helped you in your healing process and dealing with it, Uh, your accidents and, you know, your, you know, becoming quad and... uh, did you
2: think that might have helped? Most certainly, because, again, I was already on the, um, a spiritual walk, and I had already, having you know done sweat lodges, I was involved in shamanism and um, doing vision quests most of my young adult life, uh, I had experience of the divine, and I... Knew God from direct experience, rather than having to, you know, um, to to learn about those things from words or from the interpretations or of others or um, books or other people's experience. I I had my own uh, religious spiritual experiences, which helped me to know God in a way that. Uh, absolutely was instrumental in my healing process and able in my ability to uh, renew and restore my faith after my accident and to continue on my journey and to um, embark on as far as being again productive with my time and um, continuing the things that I had done previously because I had published my first book when I was 22 years old. Mm -hmm. And I was already in the process of writing my second when I acquired my disability. And so, um, you know, writing books became, was easy for me, gathering my thoughts in that way and writing for audience. Um, I was also, had written articles and, for magazines and did all of that, um, you know, prior as well. So I had already developed myself as a as a writer and um, was able to convey my thoughts and emotions and feelings and in a manner which helped people to understand and relate to them in a way that um, that they could you know uh, take whatever it was that they were taking from what I was writing, that they could um, bring it to their own lives and apply it to their own perspective.
1: Interesting. Hey, where did the uh, where did the accident happen again? Was it in California?
2: Yeah, it was in Garberville, California. I was going to massage school out there during that time. And I was hitchhiking to a Grateful Dead show in San Francisco, and we lost our brakes on a mountain road. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, we you know, my my uh, 85 feet off the cliff, and
1: my stuff. sister-in-law's parents, they had I I don't think they're, they're with us anymore, but they had back in the 90s, they had a place for a young men who were in car accidents and motorcycle accidents, and uh, I believe it was Paradise, California, they had a home or the rehab's place for young men who had uh but motorcycle accidents or, or, or that kind of thing and have received either brain injuries or that kind of thing? Did you, were you somewhere close to
0: there?
1: Paradise, now, that would be like Chico, California, you know, two hours north of Sacramento, that kind of thing. So. Yeah,
2: I was 200 miles north of Sacramento in California as far as San Francisco. You uh, close Perpetuals, to Chico. The Giants. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. So that's funny when I it's not funny. It's funny in the sense that uh you know my connections there too. I was, right after high school I took a one-way uh, I think a one-way uh, well, uh one-way ticket, bus ticket to uh northern California and I'm finding forest fires out there. So I know that area pretty well. So I just wandered so. Um and the next question I have is um, we were talking about the seminaries, and you were saying how that the seminaries today don't teach you this information that you have learned. Now, of my research that I've done about seminaries, I, I'm going to hang, bring up something. I <laughs> uh, hope it's not too a sore topic for you, but anybody who listens to my show knows that I spend a lot of time talking about the Jesuits because they're a big part, if not the biggest part, of what's going on around here. One thing I discovered a long, long time ago at least since, well, about 150 years, they have been in control of the seminaries in North America. And so uh, have you got much thought, thinking about this as far as why... And by the way, too, this, is, this also ties in, when you look at the extra-canonical uh, uh, literature out there that were uh, taken away. I mean, we look at, like, the 1st King James Bible... Uh, the first one actually had the Apocrypha, and had footnotes in it, and uh, referring to the Apocrypha, and from my research also in, in, in Great Britain, they were heavily, they, they, they were already, by the 1700s, already in control of Britain, Great Britain as well, and uh, the Anglican Church, so... I don't know, have you thought much about why the seminaries today are not teaching the things that you discovered?
0: Uh,
2: yeah, because it's not about bringing people to the truth. No. They're about controlling it and um, only reinforcing what they want people to know. Same thing with the education educational system. <clears throat> All the other religious institutions worldwide, um, and even scientism as a religion, oh, yeah. the whole teaching of Darwinism and uh, the heliocentric
1: worldview. by, is by the way, Jesuits behind those two things as well. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not, I'm not picking on. By the way, I'm not picking on Roman Catholics. I'm picking. I'm talking about a military order called the Jesuits. <laughs> And have you studied much about the Jesuits? Uh,
2: I have some, but um, no, I... my my focus is on scripture. And right. I spend my time reading and studying the scripture. And um, and that includes the extra biblical texts as well. And,
0: and so well, that's what...
2: where my specialty is, and that's where my focus lies. But, um, you know, the Jesuits are also even though they are the controlling and ruling faction, they're just um taking orders as well, and that the real real power are the powers of the principalities, the rulers of darkness, wickedness and high places, and,
1: and are we talking so, about spiritual entities at this point is that we' talking oh about oh
2: yeah
0: oh yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Satan, the rebel angels, the fallen watchers, yeah, the, those—they are the real power um, behind the Jesuits. The Jesuits are just the the human um, puppets of the their spiritual masters.
1: Human conduits so that do their will. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, and it's, it's—it's—I think it's a very important thing to. I know it's—it's a, it's, a, its a very hard subject for a lot of people that the to summit and tolerate because they feel that either you're being you know you're on a crusade yourself but if your crusade is actually the truth then you're going to have to run across this thing and this thing this entity the uh, this this the the power the human power uh behind a lot of this and it is our roads do lead to Rome and um it's just you know like the the, the average Roman Catholic is victim by all this victimized by all this just like all the rest of us so it's so it's certainly all about divide and conquer and there uh, but you know it's, the average Roman Catholic is like I said is just as victimized as everybody else and I also believe that uh, an awful lot of the uh, Jesuits are as well too uh, the, the lower levels or the lower ranks of the Jesuits many of them have no idea, or if they do have an idea, they're blinded by their own personal prejudice and their own uh, faith to not to look beyond the hypocrisy and the wickedness that's going on. But I just wondered if you thought much about it, because, you know, when you look back prior to the Reformation and the Counter-Reformation, a lot of these extra-biblical sources, if you will, these conical, canonical sources, uh, many were not, uh, including many Roman Catholic priests, were heading to have a problem with them. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, you know, within the the, the Counter-Reformation, and what's gone on in the past 500 years, a lot, of, it's like, just, here's a point, which one I'm getting at. Your latest book, <clears throat> You know, you're talking about uh, the connection between um, uh, the Book of Enoch and understanding the flat earth and how you really can't understand the this flat earth model without the Book of Enoch. Or can you vice versa understand the Book of Enoch? Now, this is a book that uh, the Protestant Church and the Catholic Churches have all been, at least the laity, have been warned, all of them, pretty much, been warned to stay away from this book for anywhere from three to five hundred years depending on which you want to look at it and so here we have this a book that would have uh, probably could have uh, potentially if it was still in the hands of the, the laity it maybe have maybe slowed down or prevented maybe I don't know who knows but certainly would have challenged this heliocentric model that we've all been exposed to, and most of us have believed in all our lives. Have you thought much about that?
2: Oh, yeah, and that's why the Book of Enoch has been, um, hidden and forbidden, and has been, um, dissipated as much as possible, because they don't want us to know the truth of those things are contained within it, um, specific you know, the fallen angels and knowledge of the giants and and the origins of evil and also that um, the earth is not a spinning ball that orbits around the sun and so that's you know why they have been for hundreds of years trying to get rid of it and to keep it um, hidden from the masses
1: by the way folks the name of this book that I'm talking about is called The Flat Earth as Key to Decrypt the Book of Enoch. And uh, it's Zen's latest work. And from what I'm telling, I haven't had a chance yet to read it myself. But from what I could tell, and first of all, it's uh, it's not very expensive. First of all, at least the PDF form. Um, That... um, from what i can tell from what uh, zed has done here with tying in s- the scripture with the flat earth and in particular enoch and the book of enoch uh it really brings so uh, both the book of enoch once again and the flat earth model to life that nobody else seems to be able to do maybe uh, well well a big reason for that is because they well they're not believers they're not believers in the word of god for say or the extra um the extra texts that are out there—they haven't studied it. Um, well, not to be a knock on anybody else, but just because you know, well, then you have a, 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 a maybe in a way an unfair advantage than on the rest of them. <laughs> and thank goodness for that. You know what I mean? So I can understand why you were kind of holding off until you had all the your ducks in a row before you you told people that you were gonna you're been writing this book and you wrote it. Um, because it's pretty powerful from what I'm hearing from what you know, I've listened to many of your shows about this one in particular. You've done about what at least a half a dozen shows about it. Um, fascinating. And um I mean, I mean this is this is some groundbreaking work really, I think it is. Um and not only that, it's a huge book too, potentially. It's like you up to four hundred pages, depending on how you want to look at it um, yeah uh, um, so here you are, oh the other thing too the, the, you have, there's another book that you're really i think you're really well known for. what's the name of the other book again? I know you know, I don't just want to see What?
2: which one Lucifer, Father, for father
1: that's right, <laughs>
0: yeah
2: that's very controversial those are absolutely my two most controversial texts and they it's also my opinion that they are the um the two keys for unlocking so much of scripture which otherwise could not be understood in the way that it, it's meant for us to understand them
1: yeah so you know with this book uh, Lucifer the father of Cain you know uh you know i i've heard you uh I hope you don't mind me t- talking about this as well, but I want to talk a little bit about what you've been going through because of uh, – uh, I mean, listen, I, just from my own experience doing this show and how judgmental people are, and especially, quote-unquote, Christians.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, it's, no, I really want to talk about this because this is really important because, I mean um, – you know, you talk about anything. You say you talk about something that they do that somebody else doesn't want to hear, or doesn't believe, or doesn't want to, or disagrees in, or because their pastor said this, or because for thirty years they were, you know, this is what they were taught. This is, you know, how how narrow-minded they are. What happens to people? I I don't know. I mean, sometimes I think, you know, you know, I talks about that all the scripture. About how you know uh, they you know, the person's relieved of one evil spirit and seven more infest and, and them. Type of thing, you know. I'm not quoting it at all, but just paraphrases it very well. But uh, I think you know what I'm talking about. Well, I think what happens when people they first get saved, and if they don't keep pushing and pushing and pushing and, and searching for the truth, they get locked into this really awful attitude and, be, and behavior and. Um, A personality that I don't think really serves the Lord that much. I think it's just more self—it's more about self-serving and pride type of thing than anything. You know what I mean? And so you have these people constantly. You have the bickering that goes on. And lots of you know, I understand that Satan's using this to divide the church. And you look at how many thousands of different "quote unquote" Christian churches out there, denominations and all that. Okay. And then of course. Then each person has the right to their own opinion and thinking on it. But this narrow-minded thinking, I think, has really—I think—it's really damaged the body of Christ in a huge way. In a huge way, has made it much more easier to actually take advantage of because of it.
0: Well,
2: in my opinion, most of mainstream Christianity and Christians that they're just really they're fooling themselves and they're they're really not um, Christians in the sense that they are part of the elect and that those that are those that will be counted as being numbered among the elect, uh, they're very few and that most of those, most of mainstream Christianity are going to be those that were says in Matthew chapter 7, away from me, I know you're not you workers of iniquity.
1: Yeah. Well, the scary thing is, hopefully we're not one of them. (laughs) You know, the problem is, I guess what's scary about hearing that Zen is that I hear that from everybody. Have you ever noticed that?
2: Yeah. Well, I think that people that are truly, um, the disciples of Christ, they know who they are. And, um, And, you know, I I pray that we are all numbered and counted among the elect, but those in his, his sheep hear his voice and they know who they are, who they really are. I mean, if you are prioritizing the kingdom, if you are serving the brethren, if you're a foot washer to Christ and to humanity, and you're trying to do everything you can to, um, Live for your eternal inheritance and fulfill your role in your mission uh, here while you're here in the flesh, incarnated into flesh. Uh, you know who you are and what you're doing, and um, we know because you know everybody lives their own lives, and you know if you are really prioritizing the kingdom in a way that um, that it, it you know it's your focus and your reason for being here. And those that are fooling themselves they, they know as well too. But a lot of there are, you know, again those that um believe in once saved, always saved and that all they have to do is accept Christ as Savior and Messiah and that they never have to do anything else again and um and that they're gonna be okay and in my opinion they're fooling themselves.
0: Yeah
1: pretty much. By the way i, I
0: uh
1: <clears throat> uh Sunday evening and Monday I, I attempted to keep the Sabbath. I actually ended up having a I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh thanks to you, uh Christopher Tireman was on my show. <laughs> yeah,
2: right on, that's cool.
1: Yeah, he was on if he started uh part one of this uh self defining Hebrew and I ended up talking him, to him and uh, Monday during the Sabbath, and um, then he ended up introducing me to, uh, it was really weird because that, uh, did you Did you get that uh, message that I sent you, that link on uh, Skype um, about the uh, SDA leadership? No Saturday is not the Sabbath. Did you notice that? I used to no, def-
2: um, no I, I didn't see it. Um, I, I only usually turn on my Skype when I'm going
1: to... We should be able to see it now. If you don't see it, I'll, I'll send it back to you. It's an amazing article that I discovered. And it turns out that uh, uh, the that Chris knows about them, the, 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 the mother and father team that wrote a book back in 2007 Explaining how the leadership from the very get-go in the, the Seventh-day Adventist Church knew that Saturday was not yeah. the Sabbath, but it was actually the Sabbath was based on the Lunar Calendar, which is what some of the things you've been sharing on your show. And um, so I'll be I'll be talking to Brad,
0: yeah, for,
1: Brad Vornholt tomorrow on the show. So
2: that's great. Yeah, he's yeah. the one that um, wrote co-authored the book, Destruction of Sabbath, with Chris. And and so, yeah, his family was excommunicated by the Seventh-day Adventist church because um, they didn't want to risk losing their membership, you know. Same thing, they're hiding the truth just like all the others, uh, just like the Pharisees and did when they knew that they had killed um, the Savior and...
1: You know, it's always been that way. Yeah, I think it's once again, it's this whole thing about the praise of men, right? That, that uh, mm-hmm. uh, they're not just want
2: to keep the donations coming in,
1: you know. So, <laughs> and you want your job, and you want that uh, right. position, you want to maintain that house, and you got a mortgage, and there's kids' college, and everything else. And as it says in that article. <clears throat> that uh, the worst thing that could ever be called in the SDA church is a liberal. The kiss of death for, the, you know what I mean, the nail in the coffin would be called a liberal. So so, anyways, uh, looking at these two books now, this 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 might be too tall of a stretch or order for you, but maybe not. I, mean, I would imagine it wouldn't be, except it might be catching you off guard right now by doing this, but... Um, The, um, oh, the Lucifer, the father, uh, Lucifer, father of Cain, and the flat earth as key to, to decrypt the book of Enoch. How would you, would you be willing to spend some time here this evening and try to tie the two together? Or is that too unfair of a question?
2: No, uh, you can. You're welcome to ask me about anything. Um, you know. So I
1: find these two. I know it's, it's. Both are huge topics. Huge topics. But I think there is a there is a big connection between the two. A huge connection. And um, you know, a lot of folks out there, especially in the conservative Protestant world, are not going to like the Lucifer, the father of the King, uh, father Lucifer, father of Cain book at all. And of course, I'm not going to like the other one either. So,
0: <laughs>
1: but uh, regardless of that, many of the people that listen to my show are in that category. Uh, but then I, I really, as I've said, you know, this show is called Nothing But Truth: One Man's Journey to Find It, and that's what I'm after. I'm not really interested in making people others happy, as far as make you know, making that making them feel good. I want you know, I want to know the truth. So.
2: That's where I am, too.
1: So, I don't know, would you be willing to try to to make that effort? I know it's a huge effort, and maybe this would be an effort that uh, will require more than one show, most likely. (laughs) Where do you go from there? Where do you go from Lucifer, the father of Cain, to Enoch in the flat Earth? Is there something that was going on way back then that still the, the magnitude of what was going on back then, even beyond the fall of man, um, of course the roots of it, I guess, are there, but you know what I'm saying? There's the huge... What was going on back then is huge.
2: It well, was, let me let me say this as far as tying those two things together. Uh, in doing so, another one of the revelations which I write about in my sixth book and my seventh book, Sons of God and Skyfall, uh, the Angels of Destiny, that this will also come out, and that has to do with our pre-existence and our um, our first estate. Because the all of these things are the three, in my opinion, the three largest and most hidden Uh, revelations of the Gospels and things that people should know in order to make sense of who we are, where we are, and why we are here. Um, And if you don't understand how these things unify as far as um, the, the truth in unlocking the riddle of Scripture, then people really, when you read the Gospel, you're not going to understand it in the way that um, it's meant to be understood by those that have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a mind to understand. And that this is what Christ is speaking about in Matthew chapter 13 when he says that um, many prophets and kings have wanted to know those things which you have been granted privy to. And he also speaks about Specifically, the Lucifer, uh, the father of Cain revelation, uh, he says that I will utter things that have been kept secret since the foundation of the world. And so how these things unify and tie together is that they all go back to explaining our first estate, who we were previous to incarnating into the flesh, and then... They explain the enmity which is written about in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, which has been ongoing, and it also helps us to understand who our true enemy is, and that there is a war being waged even to this day, and which goes back even further than what happened in the garden with the beguilement of Eve, the seduction of Eve and her impregnation with Cain. Because this, what I'm talking about, goes back to the war in heaven and what caused us to have election for being born as either one favored like Jacob or one hated like Esau. And in just like with Jeremiah verse 1, I mean, chapter 1, verse 5, where the word of the Lord went to Jeremiah and said, I knew you before you ever entered into the womb of your mother and that I had ordained you to be a prophet unto the nation. That same scripture and that same principle applies to all of us. Because as it says in Psalms 82, uh, we would be given the sentence to die the death of man, but that we were all in our previous state, in our former spiritual incarnation as the sons of God, as angelic beings, before we incarnate into flesh form, that we were all with the Father and the Son and Satan and the rebel angels and the angels of the Most High, together as part of the Council of the Mighty, before the war in heaven. And it was the war in heaven when when Lucifer wanting to be like the sun and wanting to um, exalt himself and to have himself be worshipped and to bring the attention and the authority of um, being able to control the destiny and be the king and the decision maker rather than the servant that, this is the moment when iniquity was found within him, and that this was his decision to be as God himself. He wanted to be as God himself, and so then he went to all of the angels, which includes us, and he tempted everyone, um, tempted all of the angels to see if who would follow him into rebellion, and side with him to war against, the Most High, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and a third of the angels joined him in that rebellion. Those that, as far as humanity here, um, both the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, we know, and you've covered as far as the Jesuits, but it goes to not just the Jesuits, but also the masons, the shriners, uh, to both the, all of the religions the atheists, the communists the Christians, the Muslims the Buddhists, the Hindus every religion there's those that rule from the top down that control the other masses the I uh, at the top of the Illuminati Pyramid that is the spiritual powers the next um, layer down the disjointed pyramidal structure uh, that is your Jesuits, your Masons, your, um, you know, all those that are ruling over the bodies and the, the, the masses of humanity. And so it, it breaks down in that kind of a hierarchy. But essentially it all goes back to the born heaven and that the spiritual powers uh, have the, the new world order began when iniquity was found within Lucifer. His plan to exalt himself, to be as the Most High, and to bring on this Antichrist, um, all of that is part of the war in heaven, too. And so the New World Order is nothing new. It's very, very old. It was the plan of Lucifer and the rebel angels to steal the worship of God and the Son for themselves and to create and to deceive what would be um, humanity first it was the pre-Adamic humans which are here because being cast out before the creation of modern humanity they've been here for a very long time and so um, that's why we have the worship of the feathered serpent, uh, the worship of Trees and also the phallic symbols, fertility, and um, you know, these uh, as far as the act of going back to what has occurred in the garden, these are the three things which are worshipped in all ancient religions and all ancient traditions, and they all go back to what occurred in the garden that most people don't have understanding of because people believe that Eve ate an apple or a fig or a pomegranate and that, um, because they ate this fruit that they were cast out of paradise. They were exiled, banished here to the, to the earth. But what they don't realize is that the garden, what occurred in the garden, the parable of the garden, um, that has everything to do with the two bloodlines, the two lineages, um, Cain's seed, um, and where it says in John that he was of the wicked one. And, and then in Matthew, uh, it says that the, in the parable of the sower that the enemy snuck into the garden and that this enemy was the wicked one and that the wicked one is the devil which sowed the tares and that he is the father of the tares. And then the connections in the New Testament with the Pharisees, you are of your father the devil. Um, all of these things are tied to the parable of the garden, but also tied to the war in heaven. And that's where people that don't understand um, that we preexist and don't understand that um, that we you know, have connection to the first estate and also the war in heaven, and that the enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent is just an ongoing, it's the second portion or part uh, after the fall that it's a continuation of the war in heaven here on the earth, and that this war would continue between the sons of light and the sons of darkness until... Christ comes again with his second coming, and that with his second coming, the parable of the wheat and the tares, the wheat being the righteous seed and those that are counted and numbered among the elect, that they would be gathered for preservation and entrance into, allowed entrance into New Jerusalem for the millennial reign, but that the tares, would be gathered for burning and gathered for condemnation, and that his second coming would fulfill the the second half of the Levitical 23 feast days, and so all of these things have connection to um, those two secret revelations, which again they don't teach about in the seminaries or in Sunday school or mainstream. Christian churches, um the first being that what occurred in the garden um is actually the beguilement of Eve and her being impregnated with Cain. Um and also repeating the act of Adam eating of the fruit as well, that that is what resulted in her being pregnant with Abel, um, and that Abel was killed by his half brother Cain And then he was replaced by Seth, who it says in Genesis um, that he was the replacement for Abel and that he was born in Adam's similitude and likeness, uh, whereas Cain was not. Cain is of the wicked one, and that's why it says that he was a murderer and a liar um, from the beginning. And that is actually an allusion to his being of Lucifer because Lucifer is the first liar and murderer and deceiver, and um, his son was born in his likeness and his similitude. And and then the other thing, again, is because um, people don't understand as far as our preexistence or predestination, as it says in Ephesians chapter 1. But, um, and how this connects to the flat earth, um, and I didn't even know this until I began to write this particular book, but the flat earth is the key for unlocking the book of Enoch as far as the book on the courses of the heavenly luminaries, which is a 14-chapter portion of the book of Enoch, which speaks about the movements of the sun and the moon above the face of the earth. It says in the face in the sky um, and above uh, the earth that they are the conductors for the night and the day um, and that the movement of the heavenly luminaries have everything to do with being a clock, uh, a giant clock and that all of these, these movements and these different, like the phases of the moon, the sun being one 24-hour period being equal to a day, the seven days being equal to um,
0: almost
2: uh, one quarter of the phase of the moon, a month being equal um, to the, the, the time that it takes the moon to go through all four phases of its cycle through first quarter, full moon, third quarter, and then back to lunar conjunction. And then you have the 12 lunar months and also the 12 solar months, um, which the solar months are equivalent to, as Enoch describes it, the sun's motion through one of the gates, the six gates of heaven, as it moves back and forth between the two tropics, the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn, and that the moon also shares this movement. But that the um, there's a lunar month and a solar month. There's also a lunar year and a solar year. And um, I the next time you um, talk to Chris, you can get him to explain how those two things work as far as the calendation and how they come together. But the, again, the flat Earth is the key for unlocking this aspect of this particular portion of the Book of Enoch, which it wasn't until I understood and accepted uh, the flat earth as model for world that I was able to then revisit that portion of the text because I had never been able to understand it previously. And then applying this model of the world, uh, the circle of the earth as described by Isaiah, um, with the firmament above fitted to the circle of the earth and that the earth and the dome uh, of the earth, the firmament, that they form the shape of a tent. That when I applied this understanding to that portion of the text, then everything opened itself to me in a way that has been hidden for the last 500 years. And in doing a, a Google search and also a search on Amazon for um, any author that had you know written a book or anybody that had authored a book on how to decrypt the Book of Enoch, there's no, nothing was previously written which could help explain all the things that I cover and explain in this particular my latest and newest book. And so, and the reason being is because this wisdom has been lost. This knowledge has been lost ever since our uh, embrace and acceptance, humanity's embrace and acceptance of the heliocentric worldview. And so, nobody has been able to understand the book of Enoch for the last 500 years in the way that it's meant to be understood. And in decrypting those portions of the, the book on the courses of Heavenly Luminaries, I also understood that the moon um, was very significant to the ancient Hebrew calendar system. And that understanding the ancient Hebrew calendar system and the way that it works and how it was based on the cycle of the, the moon helped me to understand that, The way that we follow the Gregorian calendar, the solar calendar that we follow um, and adhere to that Sabbath cannot be determined and that Sabbath is lost um, for those that follow this particular calendar system. And that also that being unable to determine Sabbath, also determining these seven Levitical feast days which are these seven holy days which we are to follow and to adhere to, not Christmas, which I told you I don't uh, celebrate Christmas because it's a pagan holiday, nor do I celebrate Easter, Lent, or Good uh, Good Friday. Any of these pagan holidays, I don't celebrate them. Um, I honor and I celebrate these seven Levitical feast days, which are... Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Firstfruits, Pentecost, um, the Feast of Trumpets, the uh, Day of Atonement, and also the Feast of Tabernacles. And once you understand that these seven Levitical feast days also fall on the same day according to the ancient Hebrew calendar, and um, once you understand how Christ's life his first coming and his second coming align with these seven Levitical feast days, then you understand that we are supposed to be following and honoring them even today. And for most new Testament Christians, um, they don't honor the seven Levitical feast days, nor do they honor Sabbath and they follow these pagan holidays. And so in, you know, they're totally caught up with um, uh, Babel, and they're totally caught up with worshipping Baal, and they don't even understand it. Um, and what is taught in the churches uh, has nothing to do with truth in the way that we are to really understand it. And so in, in my opinion, that most of Christianity is idolatrous, and they follow a religion which has nothing to do with true Christianity. Um, as far as being a disciple of Christ and understanding that, he came to fulfill the Word of the Father and to fulfill the feast of Yahweh and not to you know not Christmas, not Easter, and not all of these pagan holidays which most people here to and worship and celebrate um, and so all of these things I talk about in my newest and latest book because I had no idea that uh, the flat earth and it helping me to understand the book of Enoch that it was going to lead me to all of these other revelations and help me to understand the scriptures in a way that even I didn't understand them previously and so, um, again, the you know I, I help you to understand the ancient Hebrew calendar and how it works and how Kadesh, which is the time of the new moon, how is it? It is excluded from the seven-day count of um, the the Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, which in Hebrew they if they're just one, day 1, day 2, day 3, all the way to day 7. They don't call their days by the name of pagan gods, um, unlike, you know, we do uh, according to the Gregorian calendar. And so once you understand that Kadesh, which is the time of the new moon, which is the most pivotal day, and it's also given, you know, uh, it's honored by the Most High as being the first day um, excluded from the other seven-day sabbatical weeks, and it's also the first Sabbath, and that it um, determining this particular day helps to establish the other four sabbatical weeks which follow in the lunar month, and once you understand how the ancient Hebrew calendar works, then it helps, it helps one to not only determine Sabbath, but also determine when the uh, Levitical feasts fall and when to celebrate and honor them, which, again, puts you in relationship and, um, and also helps one to adhere to the Ten Commandments, specifically um, the one to honor the Sabbath, and also, to take no other gods before us, because the way that we honor Sabbath is idolatrous, and the the feasts, the holy days or holy days that um that Christians, mainstream Christians follow are also idolatrous, and you know most people are involved in worshiping Baal and don't even understand that, or Astarte. Um, you know, these pagan gods, these pagan deities, and and so all of these things are very important to understand, because, again, they are the three, which is also why the study of the flat earth is absolutely important. So many people ask me, or, or try to tell me that the flat earth has no bearing on salvation, and it has no relevance for, you know, modern Christians, and what does it matter if the earth is flat or if it's round and spherical?
0: Well, it
2: absolutely matters because, um, you know, again, as I said, the study of the flat earth led me to revelation on all of these other things. And the to take no God other gods before you is the second commandment, and the uh, to honor the Sabbath is the fourth commandment. It's also my opinion that the way that the commandments are numbered is, um, is also how much weight they have with the Most High God. And if we're breaking this second and the fourth commandment regularly, that this is really, um, it, it, it does have a bearing on salvation. And that for those that are, are doing this repeatedly, um, even in ignorance, uh, just because, you know, they choose not to study a particular aspect of, of the scriptures, um, you know, it's it's my opinion that ignorance is only um, absolves a person of responsibility to a certain degree. But that if we are true proponents um, and true adherents to being disciples of Christ and that we are truly placing the kingdom as our number one focus and priority, then we should understand all the things that I'm talking about and that we should come to revelation in the way that I have. Because
0: I'm
2: I'm nothing special. I just happen to have studied and to consider the scriptures important, and I've read them, all of them, not just the canon, not just the Old and New Testament, but all of the scriptures because the early church before the canonization process and before um, you know before all of these different scriptures were hidden because even in the Bible there are so many texts that are mentioned so many books that are mentioned that we no longer have access to and that have been completely eradicated and disappeared and how it is that Christians choose to only believe that 66 books are worthy of study and worthy of reading and that everything else should be excluded when during the time of the early formation of the church and the during the apostles, the time of the apostles, there were thousands, tens of thousands of texts available which they were a, a familiar with and which they um, cite and reference in these other um, not only the the Bible, you know, because even Chasture and Jubilees and the Book of Enoch are referenced and cited in the Old and New Testament, but um, there's books like the Book of the Day of the Lord and uh, the Wars of the Lord and so many different books which again have been eradicated and disappeared, much like the book of Enoch, which it's my opinion that it was protected by the Most High, and even Enoch himself references and cites in the first chapter how this book would be written for a distant, a remote generation. And that every, um, you know, one of the main themes that is written about and spoken of in the scriptures is that the final generation, the fig tree generation, that generation which would be alive when the fig tree bloomed, which was the blossoming of and the regathering of Israel, the recreation of the nation of Israel, that the generation that would be alive when that event occurred, which had occurred in 1948, that we are that final generation and that all wisdom would come to light. Um that there's nothing new under the sun, and that the former things would be brought to light, as it says in Ecclesiastes. Um, and that, um, in, as it says in Joel, that the spirit would be poured out on all flesh, and that's what is happening, that is what is occurring, and that my work and the revelations that the Messiah has shared with me and had me to write the books that I have written on all of these things Um, that it helps people to understand the scriptures in a way that they could not previously because nobody is teaching about these things and nobody is helping them to gain answer which could give them direction into making sense of the gospel, Uh, again, in the way that it's meant to be understood and in the way that... um, Yeshua says that I will utter secrets which have been kept since, I will utter um, secrets which have kept, been kept hidden since the foundation world and so all these things are how uh, since you asked how the in the flat earth ties in with um, the Lucifer father of Cain and also um, our pre existence, our predestination and our former estate.
1: What the, well, that's a, a lot of questions there. It, how's the audio on my end? Is it uh, sound okay? Yeah, it's fine. Okay, because there's like some weird sound on my end. So, But it's not coming from you, it's from me. So, Anyways, uh, a lot of questions here. Um, we're going to go with all this. First of all, you know, this is how to keep the seven feast days. I really want us to talk about that, but not right at this moment. Um, I think I'll start with the, the beginning of The questions here. Okay, so we were talking about, you know, pre-existence and all that. Oh, you were. And uh, a thought that always runs through my head and this is this. Did we do something wrong in the pre-existence is why we're here? What do you think? That's a really
2: good question and that's one that I've been asked quite often and um It all has to do with, again, the war in heaven and the determination of election. And not everybody that is here did something wrong. Um, There are people that are here that have made choice to come into the flesh to be um, helpers in this time and in this day and age. Certainly there are a lot that I, I explained this in Sons of God and also Skyfall, as far as what determines election. Because it, it references in the scriptures, Jacob I favored and Esau I hated.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And how can that make sense if you don't apply it to preexistence? Because how is it that a baby which had not yet even been born can be hated, hated by the Most High God, a kind, loving, compassionate God, which is the way that we want to understand the Most High, and to understand God, and we look to Him as being our Father. How is it that a baby, again, which had not yet been born, which had not sinned, which had not done anything to be uh, judged, and looked at, and, you know, treated in such manner, how can that be explained if you don't apply it to pre-existence? It can't. It just does not make sense. It makes uh, Yahweh, Yahweh, it makes him seem homicidal or, you know, a genocidal god. But if you understand that it ties to our pre-existence and that um, that Esau had to have been in the seed of the serpent, you know, those that are born into these Illuminati families, those that are, you know, even sitting on the thrones of the world today that are born into certain circumstance and situation which determines that they are to rule over the masses and being entrapped by their upbringing and also by their birth and by their familial line um, that it makes it very difficult for them to get out of their roles and the expectations of their family and their relationship, their familial relationships with their father, the devil, um, and their being murderers, liars, and deceivers, and um, that... You know, even Cain, uh, It said that um, if you would just do good, uh, that he would be accepted. But he, being born of the devil, being a sign of the serpent, that he um, listened to his father, that he, you know, followed his direction and his will for his life. And that's why we... When we speak of those as going astray, falling, falling away, we say that they have gone the way of Cain.
0: And it, it's the
2: same thing. Um, and it's the same thing for Jacob, that Jacob and Adam and those that are born of Adam's line, uh, which is, you know, um, most, uh, as far as most of humanity, is considered to be part of the sons of Adam. But there are many that are also the sons of the serpent, the, the line of Cain. You have these two bloodlines, these two lineages um, playing out as far as the peoples of the world here on on the earth. And, yes, the seed of Cain did survive the flood. And I explain this in my work. I'm not going to go into it right now because that in itself takes a whole two-hour show to explain. Um, but, the yes, for some, they did do something wrong. I explain this in my book as tying it to the war in heaven that some, just as, you know, being favored, they fought against the serpent and the rebel angels, the one-third of the angels that joined him in rebellion. And then there were those that did nothing. I, I call these the fence sitters. Um, they just sat, because you have to understand that Lucifer's appeal was so great that many of the angels believed he would succeed in overthrowing God, that he would succeed in overthrowing the Son and the dominion of Christ. And yes, um, Christ was known uh, in our pre-existence and that he was known as Savior Messiah even before he ever entered into flesh, and that the angels knew him previous to their banishment and their exile and before the war in heaven. And I explain all of this in my books as well, and it takes, again, a whole two-hour show just to explain that aspect of um, what led up to the fall. Um, and so, yeah, there those that fought with the angels of the Most High, Michael um, and Gabriel, Fanuel, Uriel, and the other angels, which are of the elect ones and that serve. they're the angels of the Most High. Uh, and then there are the one-third that joined Lucifer and then the rest that did nothing but decided to watch the war to see how it would unfold and then um, would decide afterwards... Whom they would choose to serve and so in my opinion, this is the majority of humanity that we um, were those that decided to sit on the sidelines and to to wait and because um, we did so that their punishment and the sentence for not believing and not siding with the Father and the Son was that we were going to have to incarnate into the flesh and that we would have to use this lifetime and this, um, this way of being as to determine that allegiance and to make that decision whether we want to choose um, the Father and the Son or to choose, choose Satan and to live for the kingdom or to live for the carnal aspects of the world. And so that's what we are here doing and that's what we are um, determining with our every thought, our every action, our every day, everything that we do is being weighed towards this determination. And that our works and our acceptance um, of the grace that
0: Christ coming
2: on the cross and dying to show us the way home and bringing upon us all a forgiveness of sins and dying for the sins of humanity to bring salvation to all of us that accepting that grace and understanding uh, who our creator is and, and who the Savior Messiah is um, that, and then doing the works that this is what determines our eternal inheritance for whether we will have a return to our former estate. And that's why it says in Revelation to remember from whence thou art fallen and to do the first works. And that if we don't, that he'll remove our candlestick and that we will lose our place um, with, with him in the millennial reign. And so that is, you know, again, that's the most important aspect for understanding why it is that we are in the flesh. Because the question that you asked is the original sin. It has nothing to do with Adam and Eve and the fact that they ate of you know the tree of the forbidden knowledge, um, this, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yes, that caused them to fall, and yes, that caused them to be exiled into a fallen state, being flesh, the breath of life being married to the dust, um, their physical bodies created of the dust and their spirits being entered into those flesh bodies that they lost their immortality, they lost their bright nature, they were exiled from paradise, they were banished here to the earth. And yes, that is what, led to the fall of all of humanity, but it was our choices in our previous estate which determined that we would be born into the flesh and that our election, whether we would be favored as Jacob or hated as Esau, was determined by whether we were um, like one of the rebel angels and joined Lucifer in the rebellion and born into these Canaanite bloodlines. Uh, these Illuminati families, uh, or favored like Jacob and born of the seed of the woman and of the line of Seth because Abel was murdered. And so that is what is being played out, the enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. It would, As I said, it would be ongoing and it would continue until the wheat and the tares. Uh, just as it says in the parable of the sower um, he said whence from the, the angels have the um, uh, as the servants of the most high they asked him, you know whence from did these chairs how did they come mm-hmm. up, about and then he says let both grow together until the time of the end and then he will send the angels out as reapers to gather the elect the wheat for preservation and the chairs for burning and condemnation and that the same thing with the the separation of the goat and the sheep the wise from the foolish virgins, the good figs from the bad figs as it says in Jeremiah 10, all of these things are allusions to the war in heaven and also the enmity which is uh, the next stage of that war in heaven which is being fought here upon the earth and that will continue until the second coming.
1: Okay. Uh, Thank you for that. You know, I was thinking about, you probably have already, well, yeah, you've partly answered this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. (laughs) Uh, Because, you know, it's something that I I feel like, to me, I've always been a magnet for, quote, unquote, maybe the terror. Uh, I've always, my whole life, you know, I was 48 years old and I've been, it's just uh, been around a lot of pretty rough characters. But anyways, how how is one to determine in one's life who is a wheat, who is who is one who would be a, one of the wheat and one that would be one of the terror or tares? Because, you know, maybe it's not our place to judge, but at the same token, I mean, you brought up stuff like, you know, be a liar and a and all this kind of stuff, and a murderer, and descriptions of what a terror would be, but, um, you know, it is something that's even to our... Certainly we should have some... I I imagine you've asked this question with all this research. How is one to determine whether or not we're in the company of a terror or or, or someone who's one of the weak?
2: You will know them by their, you know, you will know them by their works, by the way that they are. And I'll read something to you to help people to make this determination. It's from a book called The Shepherd of Irma, which was part of the original King James Version of the Bible, the original 80-book text, um, which includes the 13 books of the Apocrypha. And then this particular text, which most people did not even know, was um, excluded from the Apocrypha and excluded from the canon. And it says this, and this is Mandate 6. I charge thee, saith he, in my first commandment, to guard faith and fear and temperance. Yes, sir, say I, but now, saith he, I wish to show thee their powers also that thou mayest understand what is the power and effect of each one of them. For their effects are twofold. Now they are prescribed alike to the righteous and the unrighteous. Do thou therefore trust righteousness, but trust not unrighteousness? For the way of righteousness is straight, but the way of unrighteousness is crooked. But walk thou in the straight and level path, and leave the crooked one alone. For the crooked way has no tracks, but only pathlessness, and many stumbling stones, and is rough and thorny, so it is, therefore, harmful to those who walk in it. But those who walk in the straight way walk on the level and without stumbling, for it is neither rough nor thorny. Thorny, Thou seest that 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 is more expedient to walk in this way." I am pleased, sir, say I, to walk in this way. Thou shalt walk, he saith, yea, and whosoever shall turn unto the Lord with his whole heart shall walk in it. Hear now, saith he, concerning faith. There are two angels with a man, one of righteousness and one of wickedness. How then, sir, say I, shall I know their working, seeing that both angels dwell with me? Here saith he, and understand their workings. The angel of righteousness is delicate and bashful and gentle and tranquil. When then this one enters into thy heart, forthwith he speaketh with thee of righteousness, of purity, of holiness, and of contentment, of every righteous deed and of every glorious virtue. When all these things enter into thy heart, Know that the angel of righteousness is with thee. These, then, are the works of the angel of righteousness. Trust him, therefore, and his works. Now, see the works of the angel of wickedness. Also, first of all, he is quick-tempered and bitter and senseless, and his works are evil, overthrowing the servants of God, whenever then he entereth into thy heart know him by his work. How shall I discern him, sir? I reply, I know not. Listen, saith he, when a fit of angry temper or bitterness comes upon thee, know that he is in thee. Then the desire of much busyness and the costliness of many buy and drinking bouts and of many drunken fits and of various luxuries which are unseemly and the desire of woman, and avarice, and haughtiness, and boastfulness, and whatsoever things are akin and like to these, when then these things enter into thy heart, know that the angel of wickedness is with thee. Do thou therefore recognize his works, stand aloof from him, and trust him in nothing, for his works are evil and expedient for the servants of God. Here then thou hast the workings of both the angels. Understand them and trust the angel of righteousness. But from the angel of wickedness stand aloof for his teachings is evil in every matter. For thou one be a man of faith and the desire of this angel enter into his heart. That man or that woman must commit some sin. And if Again, a man or a woman be exceedingly wicked. And the works of the angel of righteousness come into that man's heart. He must of necessity do something good.
0: Almost done.
2: Um, Thou seest then, saith he, that it is good to follow the angel of righteousness and to bid farewell to the angel of wickedness.
0: This commandment
2: declareth what concerneth faith, that thou mayest trust the works of the angel of righteousness, and doing them mayest live unto God, but believe that the works of the angel of wickedness are difficult. So by not doing them, thou shalt live unto God. So it's basically follow the straight gate, the narrow way, instead of the broad path of destruction. And you know in your heart, every one of us, because we have consciousness, because we have a conscience to do good, and because we have, as it says in this text, both the angel, because of our duality, because we're born into a fallen state of being, we have these two angels at all times leading us, trying to get us to adhere to a certain way of being. And those that follow the angel of wickedness that commit evil and do evil, they follow the broad path of destruction. And those that listen to the angel of righteousness and that follow the straight way, the narrow way, you know when you do good and when you don't do good. You know when you commit evil, when you lie or if you're a murderer or if you're a deceiver or if you're a fornicator, uh, every one of us knows because we have the heart of God within us, the temple, we are the temple of God, and he lives within us. The kingdom is within, and it lets us know when we do right or wrong. And so...
1: yeah, Well, I agree with that as far as our own compass goes and what's happening, I guess, is... And, uh, I do, I uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, it's, you know, I, I I've had to be honest with you, uh, and of course, I think I already told you this, but it, I only came to the Lord a couple of years ago, so, 48, so I spent most of my time, well, although I grew up a Mormon, um, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, so, <laughs> um. And after my Mormon mission, I went, you know, man of the world, 100%. You know what I mean. In fact, got, I got—I think probably the worst I ever was was in my 30s, and I got into drinking and uh, music and you know, smoking marijuana and doing my art and womanizing and doing everything—the things in the world, right? And so, of course, but even before that, even from uh, from a very early childhood, I've just seemed to have always been a magnet for. Uh, it's pretty troubled souls, and I guess maybe I, I am too. I, it, it certainly has diminished, and the troubled souls that are in my life today, most of them actually because of prior, to, you know, to uh, me coming to the Lord. So. Uh, but uh, I just wonder what it's like, cause it seems like I see a lot of folks who are... Um, God's children that seem to have very challenging lives and much more so than maybe more, uh, and they, they, although, you know, the grace of God, they seem to challenge, to overcome a lot of these challenges. Um, it seems like they have maybe more than their fair share of it. So maybe just my own perspective, maybe it's, it's not based on reality or not. So, but, uh, so I, I think it's it's always one of those questions is when decides to try to follow the you know this straight narrow path and to try to do us right and just uh, you just you start thinking about things that you never you wouldn't normally think about you know what I mean whereas you know although it seems like a self centered question in some ways it is but it's it's not like uh, it's not like it used to be you know what I mean where it's all about you know, prior to, you know, being a new ager and all that, you know, we have all the common as far as new ager stuff. So, I had a ton of self-help books, you know what I mean? It was all about me and how to improve myself and how to overcome this world and triumph and all this kind of stuff, you know what I mean? It was all about, you know, you know whether it was mainly P. Hall or whoever it may be or if it was uh, uh whoever it may be, you know, it was all about self, you know what I mean? Self, 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 self. And I think when you get to, there's this walk with the Lord, it's inevitable that you one has to ask uh, probably more than once, numerous times. You know, why me? Why am I in this situation? Why did things this way? You know what I mean? And I think it's the way it's supposed to be. Anyways, we're supposed to ask these questions, to and, and deep, to dig deeper, and all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah. But um, you know, the, the, the next question I want to give you, and then. Uh, I'll probably call it a night for tonight, although I don't want to. Unless you want to keep going. I just don't want to stretch you out uh stretch you too far with this. So. But, uh,
0: okay.
1: okay. So the uh, uh someone, a listener asked a question here and um he partly answered this, but I'm I'm gonna uh, ask the question anyways. It says, "Why did they release flat Earth, Michael?" And it says, "Check out this video. Interesting concept. I think it's about conquer and divide the Bible believers." Now, I, I had an earlier conversation with somebody, uh, relatively, you know, a regular contributor to my show, uh, Walt Stickle from GrandDesignExposed.com, and uh, we we're talking about this about the flat earth, and uh, he's in agreement with you and I um, that they're looking more flat than round, that's for sure. Um, that uh, this could be one of those big... Maybe this is what God wants. That's what we're talking about, basically. It's like, well, maybe this is what God wants. Yeah, he's... It might look like it's about divide and conquer, but really, this is what God's doing is divide his, maybe his true believers from those who are just kind of just there, you know what I mean? I don't know, what were your thinking, thoughts about that? Have you ever thought about that? You know, why now that the flat earth is starting to become a movement? Certainly it's, 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 it's logical and based on experience, uh, yeah, sure, Satan's going to ride this and take advantage of it himself and so it's, his servants, but that doesn't mean that this is not of God. This, this is coming out, and why it's coming out. Now, you tie that in also with the fact that what's going on with the um, the lunar Sabbath and how it's really starting to ramp up along with this, and how you've discovered how the connection between the true Sabbath and the flat Earth and Enoch and Book of Enoch and all that. And it's like here's three three concepts, three uh, uh, maybe points. Uh, that uh, are three areas, I should say, of Christendom that we've been told to stay away from. The Book of Enoch, the Sabbath, in particular Solar Sabbath, or the uh, Lunar Sabbath, excuse me, and this whole flat earth thing. Uh, Either consciously or subconsciously, we've been told to stay away from these three areas and these are coming up to the forefront again. Um, What's your take on that real fast?
2: Well, I'm guessing that this person has written his comment from the perspective that he believes that it was the Illuminati that has released this information and that they've done this in order to make Christians look stupid is what I'm taking from his comment. But in my opinion, that this is not the Illuminati's doing and that this is actually – God doing, and that the reason uh, He has brought forth this topic to light right now is because it totally destroys the whole Darwinian heliocentric worldview. And as I, I have been explaining and talking about, it also verifies the veracity and the divinely inspired nature. Of not only the biblical scriptures, because the Bible is a platter book, it's geocentric, and it tells you that the earth is unmoving, and that the circle of the earth was created with the firmament above it. The order of creation is such that the earth was created as foundation for the firmament, and then on the fourth day, the sun and the moon were created and placed within the firmament. Now, That can't make any kind of sense according to the um, heliocentric worldview, how the earth would just be created and left floating out there in space, and then all of a sudden on the fourth day the sun is created and then the earth is entered into orbit around it. I mean, that does not make sense. And it also helps one to understand how it was that when Joshua was given the authority to stop the sun and the moon, and in that he commanded him to stand still and to stop in their mid-circuit in their mid-revelation. It's the same reason why the book of Enoch, um, in the cor- book on the Courses of the Heavenly Luminaries, it has spends 14 chapters describing the motions of the sun and the moon, and zero to describing the motions of the earth. And it's because the earth does not move, and the sun and the moon... Are what move above the earth. And that's why it was that Joshua commanded when he wanted the sun to stop and not to go down. He didn't say earth stand still and moon stand still. He says sun stand still and the moon to stand still. Because it's not the earth turning on its axis once every 24 hours that keeps the sun from going down. It's the sun moving in circuit above the earth, as it says in Psalms 19 and Ecclesiastes. Uh, There's 29 references to under the sun, uh, because it's the sun that is above the earth. Um, And so all of these things, once you understand the scriptures and understand that they can only be understood when you understand and accept the flat earth as model for the world, that... Um, that, you know, again, it verifies the veracity and the divinely inspired nature of the scriptures and also the encoded, you know, that that this wisdom was encoded into the book of Enoch thousands of years and 500 years after we accepted the, the heliocentric worldview, which, again, there's science is on the side of flat earth because not only does the earth not move, and it's been scientifically proven as such, but there is no measurable curvature. And so whether this person believes that it's dividing the, the, um, the body of Christ, only those that are really truth seekers and that understand these things and that all the things that I'm talking about are true sheep. Most people are not. They think they are, but they're deluded and they're fooling themselves. Most Christians are those which are going to be turned away, that Christ is going to say to them, away from me, I know you not, you workers of iniquity. And it's because they're Baal worshippers. they don't follow Sabbath, they don't follow the Levitical feast days, and they celebrate things like Easter, which is a a pagan fertility feast, you know, a celebration of a, a fertility rites, a, the worship of Astarte. And they follow the Christmas, and celebrate Christmas, which is a, a pagan um, celebration of the winter solstice. You know, I mean, we follow the, in the Gregorian calendar. We name all of our days after pagan gods. Uh, we begin the, the, the new year in the middle of January, which is in the middle of winter, when according to God's calendar in the ancient Hebrew calendar system, the first day of the new year begins with the vernal equinox, and that is the day that begins spring. And then summer begins on the summer solstice, and um, fall begins on the autumnal equinox, and winter begins on the winter solstice, which the linear progression as established by the ancient Hebrew calendar is the way that you know, it makes sense to go spring, summer, winter, I mean, spring, summer, fall, and winter and have it to align with the four natural holy days, which divide the, the, um, 90 days of the year, 91 days for each segment of, um, each season of the year. And so, uh, the individual who made that commentary, in my opinion, um, just does not understand, because, as I said, the Flat Earth totally destroys all of the work of NASA in deceiving us with the ball Earth, and that the Earth is a globe and it's spherical and that you know it spins once daily as it annually orbits around the sun. it also destroys the whole um, Darwinian that we evolved of apes and the whole everything that they teach in school, and it restores the intelligent design, and it makes us understand that we were created in the image of the Father and the Son, and that we share special covenant with him, and that the earth was created specifically for us as a place of habitation for not only us, but all of the other creatures, and it is a, it's the center of the universe and it's the only place where life exists and that this is a special place, that life is special. Our opportunity and chance to be here and to be part of creation and live within um, the creation of the earth and the firmament is special and it's unique and it's not something that, is being replicated millions of times just because we happen to inhabit a goldilocks zone, and that we happen to be um, at the right extent, the right distance from the the center of the solar system, and uh, the sun as being the you know the center and the star which unifies and holds all of these planets together, and that just we're just one of these nine planets of this one solar system and that there are billions and millions of stars similar to our sun and that there's all these different earths which are all also evolving life in a similar manner, it totally destroys all that foolishness all all those lies and the preponderance of lies which are being um, perpetuated even now because it's only less than 1% of the population that knows the truth and that understands the scriptures in the way that the most high wants us to. It says in one of the extra biblical, canonical texts, Christ is speaking about um, those that are truly his. And he says, I will call you one from one ta- one thousand, two from 10,000, which in my opinion shows just how many are deceived and how, Few are counted and numbered with
0: the elect.
1: Yeah, yeah It seems to be uh, quite rare. It seems like this. You always hear about the remnants and it's it seems like it's always been. There. I mean, in the Old Testament, there wasn't that many back then either. Was there really? Wasn't? You hear this, the same story over and over again with these the poor prophets of that time. My gosh, lonely, lonely. Roman- people that
2: think they uh, that they are in in. You know, sure of their salvation. If everybody that thought they were going to make it did, you know, there would be nobody left. But it's the remnant is but a few. The yeah. elect is a minority, and that's what people um, don't want to face and don't understand.
1: Well, I really do appreciate you spending another evening with me. I would really I would really like want you to come back if you'd be willing to um, and talk more about the Sabbath, the true Sabbath, lunar Sabbath, and I really want to talk about how to keep these feast days, how to figure out what the feast days are. There's a lot of confusion out there about it, and I'm one of those people that's extremely confused about the feast days, and so <laughs> if you're willing to do that. Yeah, I really would really mean a, a lot to me. Um, and uh, well, heck, I'd like to come back anytime. So uh, we did talk. About, I mentioned if you're still game for it, kind of doing it, uh, at least a, a mini series of this. You know, yeah, Any, yeah, certainly. You know, discussion, conversation with Zen Garcia, A to Z to Z to A. That means you know, Adams and Zen, Zen and Adams. so <laughs> And uh, I think I've grown a lot from just the two shows, and just from listening to you, you've stretched me in areas that uh, I would not have been willing to even even approach six months ago. And uh, as I was more in line, probably with the I guess the, ref, the reformers, and uh, I guess was, you, know, or, you know, Calvinist type of thing. This, uh, but you know, as time goes on and you grow, you start to you know, just you say, you know what. And to, so really, what's all about? Why am I denying myself the opportunity of really figuring out more of this instead of acting like I got all figured out? Since life has showed me now in the past two years that every time I thought I had it figured out, God has a way of humbling me. So <laughs> it keeps on happening. So. Anyways, and here's another way that God humbles me. I want you to make sure that you get all your information out for folks so that I don't butcher your shows, your two shows, and your YouTube channel, your, your website, etc. cetera. So you mind mention that. Oh, uh, yeah,
2: sure. And um, just so you know, if you want to, we can schedule for next
0: Tuesday
1: at the same time. Uh, 10 to 12 will be good. You bet. You know it. That's absolutely great. Oh, yeah, one more thing before you have also mention about your shows. Uh, when is the next Sabbath? Is it next Sunday again? On Sunday? Yeah, it's
2: next Sunday, and then um, next month it will the though know, the um, the new moon, the seven percent moon actually falls on a Monday, and then so the Sabbath following that will will fall on a Monday.
1: Okay, so yeah, if you don't mind, we'll talk more about the Sabbath. It's it's this is this is a heavy week for Sabbath, but tomorrow gonna be having Brad on. Brad Hort was it Hornton? Uh, I'm sorry, Brad. I just uh as what I always do, I always send my regards. Brad Vorn vornholt tomorrow. I I had a nice conversation with Brad and Christopher on uh, Monday. And then Christopher left us. We were having a heavy debate about the flat Earth. You know, as you know, Christopher, yeah, he doesn't buy that. Doesn't know, so, so about me and Brad were, you know, was being him against Christopher. Uh, actually, I was talking to Christopher. You know, you know, Christopher, Christopher, you do such a good job. You do such, yeah, he's on the board with us. Christopher does such a good job on the round earth side or agenda. I said, you know what? You know what would be really good is to have a debate between you and Mark Sargent. And he said, yeah, i do it. And I said, okay, well, I know Mark Sarge, he's been on my show, and uh, I'll see if he's willing to you to get together and have a debate. I think it would be very fascinating. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. Chris really, uh, he's, he's definitely a guy who likes his science, and is a guy who really...
2: Yeah, uh, but the real science is on the side of the flat Earth. It's like I said, and I've had this debate with Christopher for months now. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we've been talking by email for a long time, because I used some of his work from Destruction of Sabbath in my book, um, my latest book, The Flat Earth as Key to Decrypt the Book of Enoch, you know, talking about the Sabbath in the ancient Hebrew calendar system. Um, and then after I published it, you know, I talked, I began talking to him about the flat earth, and we've been having this ongoing debate for months now. But, um, you know, once I sent him the science that, it's been proven that the earth does not move and that there is no measurable curvature. I mean, case closed.
1: Well, Chris seems to be the type of guy that might be reached more with a debate. Most of us aren't that way, but I think Chris might be the type of guy that actually is that way. Um, he's pretty locked in. Uh, Yeah.
2: Even when I brought up, because we've been debating for a long time, and even when I bring up stuff that totally trumps um, you know, that the, there's no possibility that the earth is a globe, he still refuses to look at it or accept it and then, um, you know, just doesn't want to go there.
0: And so,
1: well, listen, it, it took me nine months. Nine months. Um, some people say they, they do it in a night, some people do it in a couple of weeks. It took me nine months. And maybe it's because i Yeah, it took you six. Uh, nine months, that was, you know, going back and forth and, you know, we... You know, you going slow and then, uh. But I two was it uh, three months ago. I Start, and I started getting really convinced. Started sharing stuff on the show about it, and then, uh, well, the, the, back in November, I started interviewing folks like Mark Sargent and all that on the show because I'm like, you know what? This is a confirms my own personal experience as well. So there's just like no way that. It, there's definitely not a ball, and there's all sorts of things. But anyway, so uh, so it would be interesting to see see if Chris and Mark would get together because you know Mark he's looking for a good challenge, and Chris is that guy that might just give it to him. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: think it would be
1: interesting. And then um, then I got so we got Brad tomorrow. We're we'll gonna be talking more about this. Uh, what happened? At SDAs. I, I did it. I did it, uh, a show. Was it last night or night? Before? I think it was last night or night before. Yeah, it was on Sabbath. You know, I discovered this, this article that I sent to you that turns out that it's Brad's sister, mom and sister, wrote. Rhoda, had no idea. <laughs> I, ended up, I, really I find it, and I, like, read it on the show, and I was like, I'm so excited. Like, it's just 1230 <laughs> and in, in the morning. Mother
0: and sister, huh?
1: Yeah, and I, I spent, it was up till four in the morning doing the, a recording. There's, you know, people in listening. I was like, I got this great thing. I'm discovering, you know, and it's like, wow, this SDA Leadership knew all along that Saturday was never the Sabbath, and that that, that was aligned with the, the, the lunar calendar. So, so anyway, so but then now I got also somebody else, uh, Chris Lucas, who's from um, Liquid Smooth YouTube channel, and he's a he's a, one of those independent SDA type folks, and he's uh, very upset, he's been very, very upset with me. So he wants to come on Friday, and he wants to. I guess have a debate. Yeah, that's so funny. But I don't, I don't know if it's really as so much of a debate because. But I'm gonna let him have his piece, and then because yeah. you know, it really comes down, the whole everything falls apart because you just all you have to do is just flip the common sense and say, listen, um, the people that you know, the Israelites and the Hebrews, and you know, and Abraham weren't living under the Julian and the Gregorian calendar.
0: Right.
1: So it's in the story, for me.
2: Exactly. Now, for somebody else, and, I as I said, the you know they, the ancient Hebrew calendar excludes Kadesh, the the day of Kadesh, the time of the new moon, from the regular seven-day sabbatical weeks. It's the first day and the first Sabbath of the lunar month, and then you have four seven-day weeks, but that Kadesh is not counted in any of the seven-day sabbatical weeks. And the Gregorian and Julian calendar, they do not make such exclusions. They run all of their days and weeks together seven days in a row, you know, yeah, month yeah. after month, year after year. And because of that, Sabbath can fall on any day of the month, Monday, Tuesday, just like this month it's on Sunday, but next month it falls on Monday. And, it, and you know, in any month it can change. It can fall on any of the days, tuesday Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it can fall on any of the days of the week. And right. so that's what makes it...
1: Um, and the they on the coffin, too, is this article in, the, in this book that, you know, Brad's family, you know, them discovering that the, 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 the something Adventist leadership knew from the get-go that it was bogus. Right. But they just didn't want to lose, you know, their power prestige. And I also think, you know, this... You look at its free Masonic connections to the leadership of uh, the Adventists, along with the Jesuits, by the way. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you know, I can see why they would. Now, now this Saturday-Sunday thing, it definitely is a divide-and-conquer scheme. Now, I don't believe that this true Sabbath is, it. and when I say divide-and-conquer scheme from the men of this world, from Satan, uh, I think, you know, the true Sabbath, yeah, that's God's way of c- uh, dividing. He wants to know who's going to follow him. And I can also see this flat earth being God's way of dividing as well. Who's going to follow him? going believe the truth. So there's, you know, there's the prince of this world who is trying to divide and conquer us, and then there's God who's trying to find who's going to follow him.
0: Yeah, and exactly. it just
1: naturally is going to divide people. <laughs> he said that's what would be happening. Christ told you us that
2: he's overturning the, their replacing the calendar and also disrupting the feast days. And so the most high is bringing this because we're the final generation. He's bringing this wisdom to light again to see who will be his true people and who will follow him in the way that he told us to follow him.
1: Yeah. So I think this is a very important topic. Uh uh, that we talk more about uh, how to keep the true Sabbath and recognize this. And you and, and, uh, and know what? It's, I'm discovering something too about this. I don't know if you notice this as well, maybe this year the same experience, but I'm having it. It's just like the flat earth thing. It Yeah. It registers a little bit the first time. It's a it takes about a couple dozen times before it really kind of starts to sink. <laughs> because it's, you know what I mean? It's another, it's, you know, even after a dozen times, yeah, it all makes sense, but if for some reason, because of a lifetime of indoctrination, it takes a little more, you know what I mean, it takes a little bit of effort to have well, some more of these conversations with other people to have to sink in, you know what I mean, to gel, you know what I mean, does that make sense?
2: Yeah, well, most people don't understand it, and are not on board with it, and most people don't even want to talk about it, because they just absolutely think you're nuts, but
0: yeah, it is what
2: it is, um, yeah, but it, this is the most important discussion and topic of what's going on right now, because mm-hmm. as I said, it totally destroys the Darwinian heliocentric worldview, destroys the NASA scientists and their authoritative PhD opinions, um, and it restores intelligent design, and it restores Understanding that we are the center of the universe and that we are the only thing that's going on in creation, that we're created in the image of God and that we share a special covenant with him, that the earth was created for us and uh, fitted with a firmament and that all of these other planets and, and stars are not other suns and not other worlds and galaxies and all of that that's been perpetuated as lie. that we're it. This is it this is what's going on, and, um, and so, and, and I've seen hardcore atheists come to understanding and acceptance of God when they, you know, totally did not believe and you know, held otherwise, and, and so it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring people back to the truth in a way that helps them to open themselves to the possibility of the scripture, and to understand and come to know Christ as Savior and Messiah. Because I find that, especially for New Agers, there's a lot of people that know God, the Father, but do not know Christ, the Son.
1: Yeah, I was one of them. So I acknowledge that. I
2: was too, for 20 years.
1: I think, it, well, for me, if I know for certain, sounds like you had a similar kind of situation that, uh, well, for me it was the MS. That just started waking me up. You know what I mean when I started uh I guess you know he had to allow things to be taken away from me the things of this world that I cherish so yeah. much so that I'd be finally be willing to really humble myself to consider Jesus Christ and consider himself and, and you know and even to open up the Bible so anyways <laughs> Like I said, before we, we end, please give all your details and information so people will find your show, find your books, and find your website and your. Uh.
2: Sure, sure.
1: Well, my website,
2: uh, The Truth Network, um,
1: fallenangels.tv,
2: www.fallenangels.tv. My YouTube channel is Endeavor Freedom, E N D E A V O R Freedom. Um, my. Author website is zengarcia.com. You can contact me there if you're interested in any of my books. Um, you know I'd be glad to um, sell any of them. I have nine books. I'm the author of nine books. My latest is um, The Flat Earth as Key to Decrypt the Book of Enoch. You can also find them on Amazon and Lulu.com. And I do two radio programs, one on Revolution Radio every Wednesday evening, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, and I do a show on Truth Frequency Radio every Saturday, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, And uh, you can also contact me through Facebook, San Garcia, um, should you be willing. And I also list all of my shows and the links to them there at Facebook for those that are interested in keeping
1: up with what I do, and he, he he will friend you, folks. He friended me, so I'm sure he'll friend you. So, please stay on, stay on. I'm going to end the show now, but uh, just stay on a little bit longer for me, Zen. Okay, a minute. Okay, folks, uh, thank you once again. Thank you, Zen. Thank you for those who have listened and those who will be listening. Um, this has been Zen Garcia, and I hope you have got as much out of it as I have. So,
0: God bless and take care.